Hey everyone, this is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. This is what happens right. when we don't do it for a month. Be formless, shapeless, like water. And you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow, or it can crash. Be water, my friend. You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now here are your hosts, Basil and Gons. Hey everyone, welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name is Basil. And I'm Gons, and we've been missing for a while. Just a little bit. But we're not going to dwell on that. No, we won't. Uh, But yes, um, you're welcome for this new episode. We're very sorry that we were, uh, you know, we've, I think we've gone about a month now, a little bit over a month. Yeah. Since Stan Deo. Yeah, that was a really fun episode, but you know. Right. I think we were a little bit intimidated because, you know, how are you going to top an episode with Stan Deo? Right. Just let it kind of settle down a little bit before we, before we come back, but. Just let that digest. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't know about you, Basil, but my month of April leading up to May was just insane. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah. I think, um, everybody's was, it yeah. seemed like the whole world was going crazy there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, obviously the Boston bombings and, uh, you know, all the crazy stuff happening in the world and in the middle East and everything. And for me personally, I got in a car accident. I'm fine. Um, yeah. you know, my car's fixed and everything. And luckily the, the person who hit me, um, was responsible. Uh-huh. Uh, this person was pulling out of the parking spot and nailed me. So, <laughs> I'm good. So the car's weren't, good. It wasn't a, a, a like, a too fast, too furious. No. Van uh, Diesel no. <laughs> type situation. No, no, no exploding cars and flipping over trucks and no, nothing like that. It was, it was a basic, uh, she just wasn't looking and she, and, and luckily she hit in front. Like if she would have hit me, if it would have been like a few more feet, then her back end would have hit the side of like my door and then I might have gotten hurt because uh-huh. my car is, uh, they don't make cars very heavy duty these days. You know, it's kind of like flimsy plastic. Right. So, but you know, that is fascinating. Guns. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the Riveting. diagram in the show notes yeah. so everybody can, uh, you know, be witnesses for the insurance, uh, yeah, yeah. thing that I'm sure is coming up. Um, okay. So yeah, you survived. Good. I'm I glad survived you're here. the, you know, I think I've mentioned to some people the, that my laptop crashed a little bit before that and lost oh, age right. of the sea. Yeah. And so it was kind of a crazy month, but you know, we're back, we're, we're going, we're, we're chugging along here and we're excited to bring you guys, um, an episode about water, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, what was your thoughts on the Boston bombing real quick? Because I know people, a lot of people have asked us and stuff. So, you know, just to Uh. give our quick two cents, because we don't want to dedicate an entire episode to it, because obviously if you scour the internet, you will find hundreds and hundreds of hours. There's too much going on. Um, uh, You know, I'm almost hesitant to even even, um, get into it. Um, as you could all probably have guessed, 
I do not think that uh, the story we're getting on the news is the real one, but I have yet to give it enough meditation time to really feel strongly enough about something to put it out on the internet. Right. Well, um, all I'll say on so it, there's a lot of different angles going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what do you, there are. What's, what the, do you, the what are your thing, thoughts? The only thing I'll say is that I think whoever, you know, is sort of doing this type of stuff, you know, the powers that be or whatever, they almost wanted the conspiracy sort of minded, right. the alternative media crowd to pick up on it. Right. It, it almost yeah. seems way too deliberate. And actually, if you, if you actually study a little bit of, um, operation Gladio, mm-hmm. you know, that whole thing that went down. Yeah. It's very yeah. similar. It's, it's almost too similar. So I think they kind of have a right. formula and they just sort of go with it. So, yeah. And that, that's kind of how I feel too. I, I feel like I almost don't want to bite. On yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate for the people that were involved and whatnot and, and prayers right, are out to know, those people. And absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the bombs are, I think were made of pressure cookers. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's any pressure cooker ban going through the UN anytime soon or anything. So I, I, you know, I just don't know what to think. Yeah. Well, you probably can't get on an airplane with the pressure cooker anymore. Probably not. That's those days are over. <laughs> those, those days are gone. Our freedoms <laughs> are gone. <laughs> okay. So, All right. Anyway, it's we just wanted to, about. All right. yeah, we just wanted to, you know, give a little, updating on, on where we're at with stuff, but let's actually, before we get into the water episode, we wanted to read a couple emails because you guys have been emailing us and email time. So Basil, you want to read? Sure. I'll do this one. Okay. Okay. This one is from, uh, Matt, our listener, Matt, a good friend, Matt. Hi, Matt. How you doing? What's up, Matt? Um, he says, and I'm gonna, we get, some longer emails, but I'm going to just do a second half of his email here. He goes, Hey, B and G that's our new names. I'm B. I think (laughs) you're G. Okay. Um, I've been selecting appropriate episodes to play in the car. When I shuttle my kids to and fro the Aaron Judkins episode and the episode you guys did on sound have been, uh, well received by my 11 and eight year old sons. That's wonderful. I love to hear that. Have you ever considered doing an episode for kids? And a question for Gons, how much of this stuff do you share with your daughter? Um, actually, question. yeah, I, I think we will do some for, sort of episode for kids eventually. I would love to do an episode for kids. I would love to just do a whole separate show for kids. Yeah. I think that would be really fun. It would be run by kids. By kids? For, for kids. kids. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, my, my daughter, my daughter's very, uh, up to date on all the stuff. Obviously, you know, when I drive her to school, uh, you know, she gets to listen to view from the bunker. How, how old is your daughter? She turned 12 this week. So she's right about the same age as, uh, one of Matt's little ones there. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, she understands a lot of this stuff. Um, she doesn't, you know, obviously I don't think she gets all the nitty gritty, you know, and a lot of times she will kind of zone out and, you know, because sometimes the conversations get heavy and, you know, kids at 12 don't have the attention span to really grasp it all. Uh, right. But she does want to, and she mentioned this to me, she does want to be in a Canary Cry radio episode and talk about video games. 
Huh. And yeah, so she mentioned that because, you know, there's a lot of video game commercials on TV and they're all very right. violent. And uh, so she had some thoughts on that. And then the other thing she always mentioned was uh, uh, this is like her line talking about how blenders are like the Nephilim. And I'll let her explain it when she wow. comes on. So that is so deep. <laughs> that is so deep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's get her on here, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's she's asleep right now, so I, oh, I can't I can't okay. wake wake her from her slumber. Is the school night? Uh. Yeah. Definitely. That might night. be a problem with recording an episode with her. Yeah, we might have to do a little <laughs> time warp, some time travel. All right, we'll work that out. Okay. All right, well, sounds good then. Yes, thank you, Matt, for your email, and um, thank you for the rest of it, which we will not read. But yes, episode <laughs> for kids. Episode for kids. That's the way to go. Canary Cry Kids. Yeah, that's, that sounds good. Branded. I like that. I like that. Bring right. them up right. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we have another email from uh, Mr. William. Mr. William. Uh, I'll read this one. Uh, Mr. Williams says, just wanted to drop you guys a line and say that what you're doing here in CCR is much needed in a world of people looking for answers. Creates uh, Clearwater Revival. Yep. The band. <laughs> the Age of Deceit video sure knocked it out of the park for me. Well, thank you. That's awesome. There were things mentioned in that video that truly affirmed what I have believed to be true for a very long time. I have shared that video with as many folks as I can think of, even a new Asia friend of mine, which is sort of the goal. I think going in was sort of uh, getting those new Asians to check out Mission the film. accomplished. Gee. Keep up the good work. It sure seems like you guys are having fun in what you're doing on CCR too. I will be supporting your ministry in the coming days as well. Sincerely and thank you. Well, thank you, William. We appreciate Woo! the encouragement. We do have fun. We have um, fun. We have to because, you know, some of these topics, it's like, ugh. Right. I know. Water. My uh, goodness. Water. Uh, Stressful. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like when we do episodes, it's like sound, water, and then we have guys on that are like, you know. End of the world. Satanism. <laughs> which you know is, which is, i mean which, that's great too i mean that's it's, just it's part of the many important. dimensions that we cover here yeah. at canary cry radio yeah and, and i think it's important for us to uh be able to expand our horizons and explore some different things because ultimately we shouldn't be threatened by anything uh right. the word of god is the word of god it's true it's you know the source of all things so you know we we should be able to swim in some very unfamiliar territory without any uh, worries. So, right. So that being said, why don't we jump into talking about some good old H2O guns? H2O. The water episode. What do you mean? I'm not water compatible. Wait, wait, what, 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 wait. Okay. So now I'm sure you have done just as much research as I have. Um, regarding this episode and uh, yeah, I've had in, a month to work on it come on I know and in our journeys of researching and spending hours on hours in books and um, <laughs> you know I did a lot of research in the pool actually for this one and stuff like that I'm sure you found just as many cool facts as I did yeah, about yeah. Water. And, and water for me is sort of uh, I mean obviously it's in all of our lives but I grew up a competitive swimmer Ooh. so you know I, I, I have some thoughts on 
you know, water. Water. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So let's compare notes. Let's let's okay, uh, let's look at what compare. we got. Let's compare. Let's. This is a peer review of our research. What do you got? Okay, so I found out that in Assyrio Babylonian mythology. First, the gods and subsequently all beings arose from the fusion of salt water, which is known as Tiamat, and sweet water, Apsu. So, yeah, I mean, this is according to, uh, you know, some random website. But anyway, yeah, that's an interesting wow. fact there. Um, and, yeah. then, uh, and then in the Vedas, water is referred to as the most maternal. So, wow. interesting. What do, you, what do you got, Basil? That's pretty heavy. Um, I, uh, well, I found out that... Um, uh, a chicken is 75% water um, in its makeup. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's just one of the... That's good. It's, so, 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 when we good buy, so when we go, uh, you know, buy our, our, our KFC... Yeah. Uh, that, we're basically, that's not really chicken, I don't think. Actually, you're right. That's like... That's like uh, that's, yeah, let's not go there. Okay, let's not dwell on my research. What else did you get? <laughs> um. Okay. All right. So I have um, the water molecule is not linear, but bent in a special way. As a result, part of the molecule is negatively charged and part is positively charged. Wow. That's pretty unique, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Water is pretty cool like that. That's, you, that's cool. Very yeah. scientific of you. Yeah. Um, here's another thing. 80% of a pineapple is water. Um, I, I like pineapples. Pineapples. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, okay, let's move on. Okay. What did you get? In ancient Greece, the souls of the dead were ferried across the Greek waters of the River Styx. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, uh, uh, when drunk, the waters of the Lethe—I think I'm saying that right—L-E-T-H-E, a river in Hades, produced uh -huh. forgetfulness. So wow. some spiritual stuff going on there with water. In yeah, so you really Greece. got some ancient uh, culture, yeah. cultural references and things. Yeah, I feel like um, I'm doing a lot more research than you. What's what's going on? No, no, we just have different areas of expertise. I mean, I got some really interesting stuff here, okay. um, really unique. For instance, uh, uh, this next one I have to hear on my notes. 95% of a tomato is water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how come I hate tomatoes then? Unless I, it's in like I don't a, know, man. I uh, what else? What else do you have? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't going well, Basil. That's this... okay. No, no. I just we just have different ways of doing things. Okay, all right. Do, do you have anything else? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I do. Um, I feel like a nerd now. You, you. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. So here's that another one. Surprise in me. In China, the water of the fountain at Lai was believed to confer a thousand lives on those who drink it. And that's according to Wang Chia written in the Qin dynasty back in uh, 300 BC. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Some more ancient stuff. Yeah. Huh? Ancient stuff. Yeah. Water's kind of been around for a while. Yeah. Well, did you know that an elephant is 70% water? Did you know that? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't think you did. I mean, think of the work that somebody had to do to find out the percentage of water that an elephant is. Do you know how hard it is to squeeze an elephant that hard to get all the water out of it? Uh, no. How, how I, don't, hard do I'm sh I don't know. I'm sure it's hard. I'm imagining a machine. 
Like maybe one of those machines that compact cars in junkyards. No, oh, that's that's so mean. It's, no, well, the elephant's dead, I think. Well, does a dead elephant have the same amount of water as a living elephant? I'm just I'm just the messenger, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you the facts. All right. Do you have any other facts? Yeah. Yeah, um, water is interesting because, I mean, we can do a whole, we can probably come up with a whole show just on, I mean, not a show, an episode, but. Well, we should do. I guess that's what we're doing. Um, In 1513, while searching for the Fountain of Youth, the Spanish conquistador Ponce de Leon discovered Florida. Oh, Ponce. So he definitely did not discover the Fountain of Youth. Oh, though that's what he was looking for. Yeah, yeah. Abuse. And he found Florida. Yeah. <laughs> it's like great. It's like the opposite, awesome. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Well, this is my last one. And this one I actually thought was pretty um interesting. It's it's not the percentage of water of something in the oh, that's good. Know, of an animal or something. But this is actually was just as enlightening. The average toilet uses eight liters of clean water in a single flush. Wow. That's. I was actually surprised at that. That's a I lot mean, of water. come on, that's a lot of water just to get rid of, you know, some waste. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Interesting. Well, do you have anything else? Um, I have one more here. Is this episode over yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what our listeners are saying. It's like, I what know. are you guys talking about? Okay, quick, get one more. All right, out. Okay, okay. Uh, the Lotus Stream of the Buddha rises up from the water of the soul in the same way the spirit illumined by knowledge frees itself from passive existence. Of course, this is according to the Bodhisattva. No, Bodhisattva. Why are you telling me this? This is, they're just, you know, different cultures have different, uh, you know, explanations of water. And and I was just trying to demonstrate how various cultures, you know, had these spiritual things about water, you know? Okay. All right. I'll bite. Sounds spiritual good. Spiritual interpretations. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. Now, I don't, All right. L- just for the record, we don't believe that <laughs> that Buddha rises up from the water of the soul. Okay. All right. Okay. Now that that's right. clear. Noted. Everybody knows that. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think that's enough fun facts. We should probably get into something a little bit more interesting now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know if that was a disaster. No, everybody loves fun facts. Okay, listeners, you <laughs> love fun facts. Well, I mean, your facts probably are are more akin to your everyday conversation. You know, let's just, let's just say let's call it what it is. My facts were more fun. Fun facts. Yeah. Mine, mine were like boring snooze fest facts. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't be that hard on yourself. But luckily for everyone else, we've got some more awesome water stuff to come. So stick around. What are we going to are we going to commercial break or something? Why is that? I was hoping there would be some sort of water like water sound to kind of transfer us into the Oh, there'll be plenty of water sound. Right. But I mean like we can cut it up like that. Okay. And then we'll be like, stick around. <laughs> water didn't like it that's pretty good yeah i was making that with my mouth yes it's it's not bad you should be a sound effectist 
you know what? You really think I could do it? I've been okay. Um, water. <laughs> so here we go. Okay, so water is used a lot in the Bible, and it's actually used over six hundred times. And of course, I think most people are familiar with where we might be going as far as biblically with water. Um, everywhere. It's it's. <laughs> yeah, we're going it, everywhere. We're going everywhere. Because water is very heavily used in almost all of spirituality on the planet. But um, in my opinion, most poetically and most heavily used in wonderful Christianity in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's used a lot symbolically and also literally. You know, in the Old Testament, we find in Leviticus, we, we read about being washed clean actually it's not just in leviticus it's in a lot of places but being washed clean you know you people have to uh, bathe themselves in water to be cleaned and <laughs> yeah obviously that's sort of a practical thing too but i think biblically there was sort of a spiritual significance as well um, right well it's also a thing of provision too water was always a a thing um involved in miracles water's coming from rocks Right. Uh, you know, waters turning to wine, all sorts of things that sh- are give a canvas onto which the glory of God can be presented. Right. Well, well, specifically, Numbers talks about Moses bringing water from the rock. Right. And then right. I think uh, you know, in our last episode, Standeo described the possible mechanics of how that miracle may have worked. Right. And he also went through the uh, parting of the Red Sea as well. Right. Of um, you know the mechanical inner workings of how that might have occurred, um, right? But yeah, you're right. In the New Testament, we see Jesus, of course, walking on water. Yes, we see, as you mentioned, uh, water into wine. Turning water into wine. There's there's so many places, and we'll sort of touch on various places where we find water. You know, sometimes it's used as a metaphor. Uh, right. The voice, the voices of an angelic host. Right in Revelation 14. I'm just going to read the verse. In Revelation 14, it says, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters. Yeah. Like that? Yeah, sort of. The song was one that only the 144,000 could learn and sing. So Those 144,000. Yes, well, I mean, so yeah, we got water all over the place in the Bible. Yeah, and, and well... Let's let's ground it a little bit. We know that okay. obviously at the very beginning of the Bible, we see water being used uh-huh. by God, right? And right. actually, water—the first time it appears—is actually in the second verse of the entire Bible in Genesis chapter one, verse two, where it says, "And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep." And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So waters, the water was there first. Yeah, it seems like it. It's kind of, um, I've heard different interpretations of this and I don't know Uh exactly. I don't think it's necessarily possible to know exactly what was meant here. I mean, you know, we've touched on it before. Some have mentioned that, you know, um, the, this was, you know, I've, I've heard people say that there was an ancient flood, right? God flooded the earth once right. before Noah's flood. And this is where, you know, Genesis starts, which I don't know if I buy that, but, um, it is an interpretation. And I think that logic is based on the fact that God said, Oh, I'll never flood the earth again. You know, right. assuming that maybe he's done it before, you know, more than once. But then of course, when you get to Genesis one, six, it says, 
And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. So we have two expanses. Yeah. And so it's obviously, Basil, why don't you explain exactly what's going on there? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm lost. Where did you go? I did that on purpose because I knew you didn't know. <laughs> I have, yeah, I have no idea. Do you know? Um. Okay. So here's what I understand of it, which okay. I could be way off. And somebody, if someone's listening and they're like, you canary crab boys are just ridiculous. Let us okay. know. So we are though. We, we are, we are pretty ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. Um, there's two ways of understanding this, I think that I've heard. Okay. So one is that there was surface water and then sort of a a layer, if you will, of, I guess, rock and then water underneath the earth. So it was sort of a two levels of water, right? Like under the, under the earth and covering the earth. Okay. And then the other, the other version, which I think is a little bit more plausible because it says expanse was that there was basically a, a cloud layer sort of, um, right. I have heard that. Yeah. The, the canopy. Yeah. The canopy that, that, that covered the earth. Well, the canopy is an interesting, um, little area of, um, exploration because apparently during that time, you know, the way that the sun's rays would come through that canopy, it was sort of like a, a canopy of water before the sun's rays were able to make it to the ground. Um, they would go through this canopy of water, which would change the whole atmosphere of the earth, making it a lot more humid and such, which which allowed for such a paradise as the Garden of Eden. Right, right. And if we read on Genesis 1-9, it says, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. Uh, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. So I guess that's when the land and the water were separated. There it was. Yeah. Well, quick fact here um, factoid, if you will. The word water in Genesis in the Hebrew is mayim. And when you look at the Hebrew letters, you find that mayim actually derives from the word for heaven, which is shamayim. So there's already, you know, in the Hebrew language, a sort of spiritual connection, connection with, yeah, with the heavens. Between heaven and water. Right. Interesting. And so here's something that, okay, I mentioned that I was a competitive swimmer, right? So okay. I spent a lot of time in water, like a lot. Okay. So I know what it's like to be underwater. And it's interesting because when you're underwater, it's sort of a zero, it's not zero gravity, but it's sort of like... It's sort of like being, I don't know, I've never been out in space, but I think it's kind of like that. You sort of, you float, right? You can completely relax your body. Um, Right. What we used to do is, um, they used to have these giant sort of like bulkheads or something. They're sort of artificial. It's like an artificial strip that goes across the middle of a pool where you dive off of and stuff. Well, anyway, you can get under those. So what we would do is we would go under that thing and there would be these air bubbles that form underneath it. And we would breathe the air in the air bubbles, which, you know, it's not really good for you after a while because it's, you know, carbon dioxide. But but we would do that. We would stay underwater for like, you know, four or five minutes. And um, just like 
here's why I'm bringing this up. I've had a lot of dreams where I'm flying. I don't know about you, Basil. Have you had flying dreams? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So when I fly in my dreams, it is very similar to moving about in the water. Like for example, in the water, you, you kind of like, you can sort of make your way around by pushing the water, right? You can sort of push your way and move places and go, you know, wherever. And it's, it's sort of the same thing when I dream and I have to fly, I have to sort of use a similar motion with my hands to sort of catch the air to get off the ground and fly and <laughs> That's stuff. That's interesting. So, so, flying in my dreams is completely different. I always have to get a running start and it's always exhausting. And even in a dream, I'm like, this is too much work. I have to fly. Really? Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting yeah. because I, I always, um, there's there's a thing called sculling in swimming, right? It's when you basically, you have your hand, you know, you, you, you keep your hand really tight and you move the hand in sort of a, a figure eight motion and that's, right. it kind of keeps you up, uh, okay. you know, floating or whatever. And that's the exact same motion that I have to use to get off the ground <laughs> in my dream. And then I, and then once I gain momentum, I can, you know, I can soar and jump on buildings and stuff and all that right. fun stuff. Well, in my dream, when I was younger, okay, this is a true, true story. When I was younger, I had a dream that I could breathe underwater. And I think it may have been like one of my first lucid dreams. Hmm. So I was, I was pretty conscious. I got to kind of cruise around, did all my thing, breathed underwater. But sometime between then and the next day when I was at the pool, I was still a little bit confused on what reality was mm. and I legitimately tried to breathe underwater mm. and it was the worst experience I'd ever had in my life. Did you get water I in just, your lungs? I, I had so much confidence that I could breathe underwater that I just went underwater and just took a deep breath and it was, <laughs> it was a disaster, obviously. But yeah, so that was interesting. And, um, yeah, so I mean, and 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 I don't know where I was going to go with that. I was <laughs> well, just going to say that. Well, no, so, that's interesting. But okay, since we're on dreams here, I did have uh, probably the worst nightmare I've ever had in my entire life was a dream that I, uh, I well, I guess it's a nightmare that I was driving in my car. And for some reason, every time I drive my car in my dream, I'm going like ridiculously uphill on this ridiculous slope. But anyway, um, I veered off and I fell off and I fell into this water lake thing and I couldn't get myself out. And, you know, because I was a competitive swimmer, I know what it feels like to be on the brink of like passing out in the water. Because obviously, you know, we trained our bodies to hold our breath for a really long time and exert a lot of effort while you're in the water because you're trying to move and whatnot. So I know the feeling and that's the feeling I had because, you know, my car was filling up with water and everything. And literally that I, I felt like I was going to die. Like I literally thought I was going to die. And, um, you know, my last thoughts were like, Oh, I got to pull out my phone. I got to call my, and you know, of course cell phones don't necessarily work in the water, but that was my thought. I need to call my wife and let her know that I'm, I'm going down. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. It was really weird, but yeah, water, water is interesting because you know, it's one of those things that, you know, we can't I feel live. like it kind of means a means something different to everybody or well, yeah. you know it can it's one of those things in in the universe that can take so many different forms can be both destructive and regenerative well, i mean it's the very I was gonna say. It's, it's the very substance of life itself yet it can be um 
a completely devastating force. Right, right. So uh, it, it, it can quench your thirst, but it can also drown you. It can drown you. It can, it can, can be used for torture. Yeah. It can be used for healing. You know, it's a bizarre thing. It's very powerful. If you stand in underneath the uh, Niagara Falls, you're, you're probably going to get crushed. Probably. <laughs> Only one way to find out. Oh, no. So, yeah, I think that the just the very fact that water really is such a big part of every facet of life, whether it's physical or spiritual or, you know, it's health, it's recreation, it's nature, it's humanity, it's everything. Um, I think it very much warrants its own episode here on Canary Cry Radio. And since we're this far in, I mean, we've got, there's a lot more interesting facts about water yeah. than <laughs> than our nice little list that we've given you at the beginning of the episode. Well, here's something that's interesting as well. Um, okay. You know how you said that, uh, you know, you need to squeeze the elephant to find out. Um, yeah, that percentage. was just an assumption. I'm not really sure on what the whole logistics of. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, you know, the human body is the same thing. It's 70% water. You know, yeah. we're, we're water right now. We are right. water. You know, we're the same amount of water as an elephant. <laughs> the same percentage. <laughs> same percentage. There you go. At birth, the infant's body is 80% water. Well, and so, yeah, I mean, we we talked about. Or, or to mention that water being, you know, just really kind of the very substance of life. And that's exactly what people, what scientists and astronomers are looking for in space. And the, the, the very reason they look for it is because uh, there could be life out there associated with, you know, good amounts of water. And uh, scientists, astronomers has, have actually found the biggest the universe's most massive water cloud about 12 billion light years away is where the most distant and massive cloud of water has ever been seen in the universe it weighs about 40 billion times the mass of earth and this is just water and is actually this cloud surrounds a uh, humongous black hole so it's this really weird image of a black hole which is the, you know, basically the complete destruction of anything that comes near it. Um, and, you know, the complete gravitational collapse of, of matter and existence. And, and surrounding it is this giant cloud of water that could fill the Earth's oceans uh, 140 trillion times over. So it's just this is very interesting uh, discovery out there. And, yeah, and actually NASA right now is hoping to make water on the moon and they're actually right. putting together a rover that I think they call the lunar volatile extraction or something. Or uh -huh. actually, I'm sorry, let me read the whole thing. It's called the Rigolith and Environmental Science and Oxygen and Lunar Volatile Extraction Resolve. And they're planning to launch this in November of 2017 Ooh. to go out onto the moon and to go to the poles and start uh, looking at some of the frozen water up there and maybe, you know, develop water. Because I don't know if you remember, Basil, but a few years ago, they crashed a satellite on purpose into the moon. 
Right. And the whole purpose was to figure out if there was water on the moon, right? Or that's yes. what NASA told us anyway. Right. And right. you know, everyone was watching and then it was the lunar splash surprised everyone, including NASA scientists. They expected to find just teaspoons of water. Instead, we found maybe about a dozen of these two-gallon buckets worth of water. And looked off of the In October, NASA rocket. sent a spacecraft hurtling into a crater near the moon's south pole. Special cameras recorded the mile-high plume of debris. And just this week, researchers found the chemical markers that indicate frozen water. Now we have so much more to explore and so much more to find out. If there is significant amounts of water, it could be broken down into elements for rocket fuel or even provide drinking water for astronauts, paving the way for a possible lunar base. But that's still well beyond the horizon. It's one thing to know ice exists on the moon. It's another thing to be able to get it out of the ground in quantities that are usable. Still, it's a giant leap from a supposedly dusty, dry moon Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin visited 40 years ago. This is not your father's moon. Uh, rather than a dead and, and unchanging world, it could in fact be a very dynamic uh, and interesting one. A moon that we may now all look at just a little different. Yep, I remember that. Yeah. So... Water's everywhere. It seems to be everywhere in the universe. Yeah. But it's interesting that they haven't found any real life. It's true. You'd think with as much water that actually does sort of exist in the universe um, that we haven't seen anything. Well, they haven't disclosed anything. Right. Well, you know, time plus chance. Oh, gosh. Where are we going from here? All right. Well, okay. But, you know, back to Earth here for a moment, and then we'll go back up to space. But, um, you know, water has some very, very interesting things that it can do, right? Because it's sort of malleable. Well, I don't know sort if of. you recall, sort of, it is malleable. It's <laughs> wet, too. Did you know that? It's wet. That was one of the facts that I read during yeah. my research. Yeah. I, I, used to, um, I used to say that all the time before I jumped in the pool because the water was always cold. Yeah. wet you know so i'd be like oh the water looks so wet yeah i'm sure that was just hilarious to everyone i was serious, i was um the comedian class clown, class over clown. Here. okay so this is where the water uh, this water episode and our past sound episode is gonna overlap a little bit Woo. and you're, you have to see this to appreciate really what's going on but there's been a lot of experiments done. You can do this at home, actually. Um, you get a stream of water, um, and you put it in front of a speaker, and you uh, let yeah. that speaker resonate different frequencies. And, and according to the frequency, the water creates these very interesting shapes. And sometimes you, the water makes it even look like it's flowing up, and there's zigzags. And I mean, you have to see it. We'll put the, the video in the show notes. Um, right, but it's it's fascinating, right? Yeah, it is, and that's that's the crazy thing about water is that it responds to so many different types of external stimulus in pretty mystifying ways. Um, very scientific, but very you know, very still very spiritual and sort of surprising, if nothing else. Yeah, so you know, NASA. Um, there's a video out on YouTube of a, a NASA experiment in zero gravity of water. And it's this guy, he's, he's out in space and he, um, I think he's got way too much time on his hands, 
but he basically gets this ball of water and water is very interesting without gravity. And, uh, it basically forms an orb and you know, th- this video is pretty funny cause this guy is dropping, uh, water into this ball of water and yeah, he's see way entertained. He's way too into it. It's a little bit creepy actually how into it he is, <laughs> but you can see the, the vibration of the water uh, or the energy, if you will, that's being moved in the water. Wow. I just love those oscillations. Here we go. Oh, I just love that. Look at that. Amazing. Just one of these jaw dropping moments. Okay. Here we go to do it again. Looking into the camera, big buff. Here we go. Oh, right at the leg. I don't know how to really explain it. You have to see it. Um, it's fascinating because, you know, we're used to seeing water, you know, dropping a, a, a drop of water or a ball or something into the water and seeing how it creates the splash and the water comes right. back well, down. We're, we're used to watching water surface on a flat sort of uh, a canvas. Plane, yeah, you know, canvas, we're looking yeah. at a lake or a river, a cup of water, something where the water isn't necessarily, you don't get to see the whole reaction of all the sides right. you know of, of of every dimension of the water you're more or less just looking at the surface well in space the surface is 360 degrees around a sphere right and it's very interesting if nothing else it's cool to watch yeah <laughs> if nothing else but um the fascinating thing to watch about this is is how similar it is a to how it reacts on earth with gravity but also at the same time how much different it is and when you get to see the ripples of the uh you know he he does certain things spraying it with water spraying the orb with air or something um it really just gives you a whole new perspective on um on water's properties. Yeah. And speaking of water in space, uh, there was a Canadian guy, astronaut named Chris Hadfield, who actually just came back to earth on I think, a couple days ago, I think. And, um, you know, I think some of you guys have, may have heard of him. He was the, uh, he made the first music video in outer space. Ground control to major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Lock your Soyuz hatch and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. Commencing countdown engines on. Detach from station and may God's love be with you. This is ground control to Major Tom. You've really made the gravy. It's awesome. Yeah, we have to post that on the show notes just for the heck of it. Yeah. Um, what does he do? Control. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) To maze your tom. (laughs) 
Oh, it's okay, so He does great. a better version than I do. But um, oh, yeah, it's, it, not that much. It's great. So anyway, so while he was up there, he made a bunch of videos and, and one of them um, or a couple of them are pretty interesting and pertains to water. Uh, first off, you know, he was at the space station up there and he has a video on what they do with water. Do you know that the average person on Earth uses um, 350 liters of water a day? That's over 1,400 cups of water. Water consumption is critical on Earth, but even more so here on the International Space Station, where we have a closed environment. From washing ourselves to making our coffee, or even when we sweat, the water that gets expelled is collected into a purification system. And we reclaim about 93% of all the water on board. Definite soapy water here in space. Mix it up. Well, got some on the outside, apparently. Water used to be delivered in water-filled bags like this one. We brought them up on, uh, on space shuttles and, of course, all of the visiting resupply vehicles. But since 2010, we've got a system on board that can purify the water real-time. You don't have to take it out and store it in bags. We have filters and a keg-sized distiller that spins to create artificial gravity and move the wastewater along. And with it, we can recycle about 6,000 liters of extra water for the station each year. We even recycle our urine. Ew. But before you cringe at the thought of drinking your leftover wash water and your leftover urine, keep in mind that the water that we end up with is purer than most of the water that you drink on a daily basis at home. That makes the International Space Station its own self-contained environment. That's a critical step towards living for long periods off of planet Earth. So that's cool. Uh, what do you think about drinking recycled urine, Basil? You know, I wish, sometimes I wish I would have had his uh, urine recycler. And um, You know, if it, you think about it, if you figure out a way to legitimately clean your urine you, you kind of have an endless source of water right yeah well you know i've tried the bear grills way um but <laughs> it sounds like nasa's way is a little bit more tasty <laughs> or not tasty you know depending on the urine well the water is tasteless well water right. is tasteless that's one of the factoids that we didn't mention yet we spared you that factoid. Right. And then the other thing that Chris Hadfield did up there was uh, he made a little video on tears because uh, somebody had asked a question about whether um, you can cry in space. And the answer is yes, you can cry, but your tears don't fall. They just stay on your face. So they stay on your face and they start forming you just a have ball. tears on your face. Yeah. So there you go, Mr. Chris Hadfield. Make sure he's got a lot of videos. It's, it's actually really cool to check out his videos from the space station. Pretty sure they're uploaded straight from the space station onto YouTube. I don't know, but that would be cool. That's what I like to think. I think, he's, I think so too. And think he's closer internet. to the satellites, right? That's what I'm thinking. You yeah. think they have an internet on the space station? Oh, they have to. That would make it a lot more bearable, I think. Yeah, I, I think they have to have some form of... Yeah, I, I would think they have. I like, mean, if they're communicating with the ground, they probably right, have internet. But I right? mean, internet. Like, do you think they can Facebook? I don't know. That's a good question. You know, you'd think there would be more uh, info on that. They, I mean, it's probably out there. Just a little bit of research, and we can figure it out. Well, if 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 you think about it, if you're if we're if the internet is working on radio waves, right? Like the the ether or whatever. 
then technically it should, right? Because everything that we broadcast is being shot out into space anyway. So, but I don't yeah. know. Maybe you have to be, it has to be through the medium of air. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they could get the internet. I'm just wondering if they allow them to actually have a MacBook with the internet well, I and did, Facebook. I did see that in the little sleeping pod that Chris Hadfield has, because, you know, they, huh. they strap themselves into a little uh, sleeping bag and a little pod, you know, to go to sleep. He did right, have a laptop right, right. right in front of him. So I don't know. Maybe he does All have right. internet. Well, there you go. Internet in space. Moving back onto water. Some very interesting things. Yeah, science and, has really um, done some uh, research into this this next thing here, which is right. pretty interesting. It, really interesting. And some of you may be aware of this, but this is the, the type of experimentation that I think really is joining the science of water with the spirituality of water. And on top of that, confirming a lot of spiritual truths that we've all known for a while. And these experiments are by a guy named Dr. Masaru Emoto. And he has done some very interesting things regarding the uh, crystallization of water, the molecular structure of water, um, all depending on factors like negativity, positivity, you know, speaking words of life, speaking. Uh, words of death, harsh noises, pleasant music, things like that, and how they affect the water on a molecular level. Right. So basically, Dr. Masara Emoto, he wrote a book called The Hidden Message of Water, and that was sort of the uh, culmination of his research. And basically what he did, what Basil was sort of describing there, he would freeze little droplets of water at negative 30 degrees Celsius. But before he does that, he would expose that drop of water to various things like Basil was talking about, like pleasant music or, you know, harsh music, metal music is what he says, which is kind right. of interesting because I used to listen to a lot of metal, but, yeah. um, but yeah. And, and you know, different thoughts, um, yelling at the water and this seems to have an effect on the crystallization uh, has a huge effect. Yeah. So every time, not even just a little effect. Right. And, and so, you know, if you, if you tell the droplet of water, like you're a terrible water, you just right, let, are not a good, bef- you need bef- to, sorry, go ahead. Be nice to the water. Okay. I mean, even before we get into the, the even crazy thing of talking to the water and affecting its molecular level, I mean, the music you can kind of see nice music, creating nice uh, vibes in the water and then when he freezes it and you look at the crystals it creates very beautiful uniform crystals water ice crystals correct and then when he plays you know some really gnarly metal music or something a little bit more more hardcore a little bit more negative freeze that and you look at it and it's complete chaos the crystals are chaos right and and this alone Okay, even with the sound waves and things, you can you can be a little bit more non-spiritual about this, and because sound waves and the uh, you know the intensity of vibrations and things like that could affect the crystallization of water. Right now, moving on to some of his other experiments, such as talking to it, talking to the vial of water, or you know saying good nice things about it, saying negative things. 
writing words on the vial of water, such as love or war or things like that, and then freezing the water afterwards, the, the, the results are exactly what you expect me to say, which is the water who was spoke that was spoken tenderly to is beautiful and uniform and the the water who had suffered the, the verbal abuse of the scientist <laughs> alone in a lab probably kind of going a little crazy talking to vials of water has suffered on a very molecular level with the arrangement of these frozen molecules and same with he would uh, write w- words onto um vials negative words and positive words and the same exact thing would happen so it's very very interesting research and where i go with this gons is bringing it full circle right now classic canary cry radio style the the fact that every living thing has so much water um just as a very basic part of its physical makeup the human being is 70% water. Now think about what just negative words or positive words or, or calming music or harsh music is doing to the 70% of your physical body. Right. You know, it really puts your choices of music, A, B, the, your choices of words. Even the way you say something. So if you say something half-heartedly, or right. if you say something with a little bit more meaning, with a little bit more heart, right? Quote unquote heart. Right. Well, what is that? Well, we can actually see it and measure it now um, in the water. It's really fascinating. And yeah. basically, you know, he went out to prove that water has memory. And this uh-huh. is interesting as well because uh, how does water have memory? And according to Dr. Emoto, this is a direct quote. He said, water is a messenger of God. So this is kind of interesting. And, and you know, Ever since he did this study, there have been hundreds of studies to either, you know, obviously try to confirm or deny this fact. And all of them, literally all of them have come out with the same results. So this is not a fluke. This is not some, you know, new agey doctor in Japan doing some crazy experiments with water. This is actually confirmed in, in many laboratories. So it's just very fascinating well and you can even go as far as the the human brain is also um i believe 70 percent water simply just your brain or a a large a large portion and at that point you think about what sort of effect your thoughts are having on the rippling effect through the water in your body now all this does sound very new age it does and but that i will just stop you right there because a lot of things in this world are being claimed by new agers which are originally our biblical notions okay and this is one of them okay so anybody out there thinking we're getting a little bit new agey and crazy you just need to you just sit back and listen for a second right because the new agers did pick up on this um i listened to an interview with david serrata i think is how you pronounce his name on coast to coast am and he was ranting and raving about this you know what this means for human consciousness and water is conscious and i mean he just took it all sorts of places right but really if we go back to the bible here there's a verse in john and there's lots of verses that talk about this i'm just going to read john 7 38 where it says whoever believes in me this is jesus speaking whoever believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water and 
you know, I, <laughs> I kind of think that Jesus knew what he was talking about, right? And right. it sort of reflects on this idea because, you know, it's true that when you look at, you know, okay, okay, let me step back for a moment and talk about what the New Agers said and sort of, you know, pick it apart because they, they started saying that this means, right, the meaning, the philosophical rendering of what this all means, according to this research, is that, you know, our own uh, thoughts can influence, you know, the world around us, which to some extent is true, right? It's true that our own choices and intents, they affect the world around us. Right. And so if that's true mechanically, then again, like you mentioned, Basil, we are basically creating different quote unquote vibrations with the way we say things, with what we say. And so how much more powerful is it that when we focus on God and we focus on the power and the authority of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you know, and when we pray, think about what we're doing when we're praying to God, the, the sort of quote unquote vibes that we're sending out. Right. I mean, that source of emitting living water that comes from God that is way more powerful. And, and I think the point here is that our hearts will flow rivers of living water. Well, where is that living water coming from? It's actually coming from God. It's not coming from us. That's right. the biggest fundamental difference between, you know, how a Christian might render this and how the New Agers take it. Because the New Agers take it to the far extreme where it's like, okay, this means that we have complete control, you know, and then uh, if we you go gods. too far, if yes, exactly, we are gods. But in effect, it's the other way around. It's like, no. When we point back to the Creator, literally, we become vessels, right? And and right. these ideas well, that's are exactly the point. Right, yeah. And these are ideas that are very common, hopefully, to to a lot of Christians, is that you know we're vessels of God's love and all this stuff, and it's very true. And and I think um, experiments like these just confirm that. So right. you know, I, I don't know if Doctor Emoto is a is a Christian or not. He did say that water is a messenger of God, and I don't know you know, if, if he meant Jesus, you know, Yahweh, God, but in effect, he's, he's onto something, you know, he's definitely right. opened up some, uh, some conversation and some, you know, some ways that science, you know, and this is, you know, this is a little bit off, off the, uh, off the track here, but this is really something that I think we as Canary Cry Radio and, and an Age of Deceit 2, we're going to tackle is that, this idea that um, science is really running out of room when it comes to trying to explain everything through materialism, t- through right. reductionism. Uh, with with stuff like this, it's like, you know, there's a little bit more uh, spiritual stuff going on. And you can't just explain this away by time and chance. Right. Well, yeah, and I think the biggest thing is the collision between science and spirituality and and you know god and the whole supernatural realm is you know and this is just a wonderful thing to watch if you pay attention to current science um especially quantum mechanics and things like that is once in a while once in a while science will will collide with the supernatural and with spiritual truths and things like that and this is one of those one of those instances but every time that it collides you know i think it's it's one more ripple through the world that you know people have to start paying a little bit more attention to to things that are real that science is is beginning to hint at and and these collisions are starting to happen more and more as the time goes on which makes the times in which we live even that much more interesting yeah and and i think ultimately you know, you can draw 
the wrong conclusions from these things, you know, easily, and, easily. And so, but I do think that that part of it of, of coming to the wrong conclusion has something to do with the end time deception as far as a one world religious sort of outlook. Well, absolutely. This, if God is starting to be revealed in the scientific endeavors of man, the enemy's got to be there to pick up the slack because right. he's not going to let it. He's not going to let his precious baby of anti-spiritualistic science. You know that's been his biggest tool for a very long time. Right. Um, uh, well, it, because we uh, introduced the enemy into the conversation here. Or okay. did you want? Did you want to say a couple no. more things? No, I no. Yeah, let's continue. Okay, because you know we can't do a water episode without actually talking about some of the uh, conspiracy uh, realms involving water, right? And um, you know, it's pretty sad, but this is true. One billion people on the planet don't have access to clean water, and that's that's one seventh of the world doesn't have access to clean water, and it really is sort of strange when you think about, you know, we talk about, uh, I'm sure some of you have heard a few years ago, president Bush jr. Uh, bought a hundred thousand acres of land in Paraguay and Brazil on top of one of the world's largest freshwater aquifers. So it's like, why, why is this, <laughs> why is one guy able to buy a hundred acres of land that has, you know, Hundred thousand acres, thousand acres of land that has the largest, uh, you know, freshwater aquifers, but yet right. one billion people can't have access to clean water. Exactly. That's, yeah, I I saw something um, in my travels through the internet where something like what was it twenty five percent or something of the world's hospital beds are taken up by people with diseases that have come from water either dirty water, access to water, some sort of water-related thing. Right. So water in all of its malfeasances around the world, whether there's not enough or it's dirty or contaminated or whatever, is causing a lot of trouble. Yeah, I mean, 42,000 deaths occur from lack of fresh water every week, and 90% of those are usually children. So... Yeah, I mean this this is really a problem. And and uh you know, while we are able to get access to clean water and and we sort of take it for granted, right? A lot of us do anyway. And if you're listening to the right. show, you're probably you probably have access to clean water and and whatnot, but um there are a lot of people who don't. And I mean, just imagine it. I can't, you know, you can yeah. you can barely even imagine it. We've seen pictures of it. Now, you know what this reminds me of? You know that old movie Waterworld, The Sun. For millions of years, the source of life. But for one planet, the source of its demise. The temperatures climbed. The vast fields of ice at its poles melted. And the oceans rose. Centuries later, few people remain on this planet once called Earth. Among them, a man who still searches, a woman who still hopes, and a small child who carries the secret to a new beginning. In this place they know only as Waterworld.
with oh, Kevin yes. Costner. Yeah. With Kevin Costner. Yeah, with the little and gills behind the ears. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I, I was. Yeah, I, I wanted to have those gills, man. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah. Mr. Swimmy Guy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just think about how precious water was in that right. sort of post-apocalyptic thing. And I mean, any post-apocalyptic movie ever has made water one of the biggest, you know, commodities. Book of Eli was another example. Right. Um, everything. So yeah, I mean, I think we can all foresee a problem with water coming up in whatever sort of situation the globe may be moving into. And we've got a lot of guys with a lot of different predictions, but I think um, it might be a good idea to either A, stock up on some gallon jugs, some purifiers, figure something out, just to be responsible. Yeah, and, you know, while the, uh, you know, the world elite uh, hoard a lot of the pure water and, hold, you know, abstain from sharing it with a lot of... Um, a lot of our fellow humans, uh, those of us who do have access to clean water, um, a lot of us are being poisoned through it. Exactly. So. <laughs> Fluoride thing. Yeah. Now, I need everyone here, if you're listening, if you're in, in any first world country, you need to go onto either your your township's website or your district's website or something and find out if your water district is being fluoridated because I looked and mine is. And yeah, we're, we're, it's bad here, actually. It's right, really it is. Bad. It's terrible. And if you know anything about um, any of the facts about fluoride uh, in drinking water, you know that it is it's the biggest, in my opinion, it's the biggest conspiracy against the people of first world countries. Initially, where this came from was one study. Okay, back in the day, in the 50s or so, um, fluoride was a huge um, chemical byproduct of a lot of, um, I think it's plastics or something or other. Anyway, something in, in some sort of devious manufacturing industry. Fluoride is a huge chemical waste um, from that. And they, you know, they would bury it. They would do all the sort of chemical dis disposing um, that they could back then. But then finally, one guy was looking for a place to put it. And there was this small town in rural America where a study, a very loosely regulated study was done on the teeth of the people in this town. Right. And there was a naturally occurring natural fluoride content in the water that was slightly higher than most in the United States. And now this was naturally occurring fluoride, not the fluoride that happens from this chemical process in their manufacturing. And they found that the enamel on the teeth of the children in this town was a little bit stronger, you know, some stronger teeth enamel. So they took this loosely validated scientific study and used it to convince everyone that it was okay to pour this toxic waste, this fluoride, into the reservoirs and the drinking water of people everywhere in America. Now, here's the problem. If anybody's familiar with chemistry, you know that molecules can be left-handed or right-handed, okay? Just for the sake of this, let's call natural molecules that happen around the earth in, in natural ways 
are all right-handed molecules, okay? And this has to do with the way they spin and things like that. Interesting um, that Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God. Right, exactly. See, there you go. Now, chemicals that are synthetic, that are made in labs, for whatever reason, they come out left-handed. They spin a different way. They're simply a mirror image of natural chemicals. So whenever you get like a synthetic drug or something that's supposed to um, copy something naturally occurring, it does copy it, but it is a mirror image. Now, on a molecular level, something like simply reversing the spin of a molecule or something of that nature using a mirror image of it instead of the real thing can have devastating effects. We've seen all sorts of chemicals in the 50s where, oh, I'm trying to remember what it was. This is all off the top of my head. But anyways, um, these synthetic chemicals, these left-handed um, molecules can cause humongous detrimental effects to, to natural biological beings such as us. And so this fluoride that's getting poured into our water is this synthetic fluoride that is straight up, unarguably, just poison to the human body. And not only is it in your water, which is this is water episode, so we'll focus on that, but it's also in your toothpaste, it's in your mouthwash, it's in things like that. So A, get a purifier for your home. We'll tell you how to purify for uh, fluoride here in a second. B, find some toothpaste that doesn't have fluoride. Now, fluoride, why is fluoride so bad, Gons? There's been plenty of research done to show that the fluoride in the water, it, it causes bone cancer. You know, it's in a lot of our food and, and beverages. It uh, Learning disorders. It, yeah, it causes learning disorders in young children. And uh, these are all studies done around the world. Uh, it affects our organs. You know, it affects our skeletal uh, makeup. Right. It affects our kidneys. Countless, I mean, countless it, health problems come from exposure to synthetic fluoride. Now, this, this is just to get you all started. So make sure to go do your own research as well. Um, but there is a lot of information on this, and it's a serious thing that needs to be dealt with. And, I think, and if you, sorry, if before you finish there, I, I do recall, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that back in 2011 there was a couple Tennessee towns that decided to pull the fluoride out of the water. Agenda item 9C, request commission approval of a resolution rescinding the addition of fluoride at the city of Mount Clemens water filtration plant. I need a motion, please. Motion to approve a resolution rescinding the addition of fluoride at the city of Mount Clemens water filtration plant. Second. The addition of fluoride to the drinking water at the Mount Clemens water filtration plant has recently become a more closely regulated and costly process. Recently, the Environmental Protection Agency announced that Americans have more access to fluoride through dental hygiene products, and therefore fluoride levels should be reduced in municipal drinking water. City administration is seeking approval of a resolution from the city commission rescinding the addition of fluoride at the water filtration plant. And it was passed, you know, I think through legislation or whatnot, and there was a lot of, um, you know, uh, public awareness about the issue, and people rose up and and you know, made their, their, uh, opinions heard. And now, uh, there's a couple towns in Tennessee that don't have fluoride in their water. So, you know, you can do something about this as far as, uh, getting clean water to your homes. If, yeah. uh, if enough people are aware of it, unfortunately, I think Basel, where we live, uh, people are much too distracted by shiny objects. 
Yeah, no, there's a lot of more interesting things than um, some uh, conspiracy to kill everyone or <laughs> make them dumber. Right, uh, yeah. You know, which I think explains a lot of the people in our area here. You're not to drink, bash the people Drinking here, a lot of the water. Uh, okay, so ways to remove fluoride from the water, because a lot of times simple purification will not get it out. We'll put a link on the website, but just to go through a few here, and this is a, a good idea, because remember, 70% of your body is going to be made of this stuff, so whatever you're putting in, you know, you got to make sure it's good stuff. All right, so here's some ways to remove fluoride from your water. Reverse osmosis filtration. This is used to purify several types of bottled water, but not all of them. So some bottled waters are unfluoridated. Uh, reverse osmosis systems are generally unaffordable for personal use, although I have seen um, some little mini ones that can go on like one of your sinks or something. They are a little bit more expensive, but, you know, it's your what health you, we're talking about. I mean, this is not even just your health. It's your life. It's everything. It's your, it's your mind. Anyways, activated <laughs> alumina defluoridation filter. These filters are used in locales where fluor, fluorosis is prevalent. They're relatively expensive. Lowest price I saw was 30 bucks per filter, which is nothing in my opinion. Um, and require frequent replacement, but do offer an option for home water filtration. Filtration. Another one is distillation filtration. There are commercially available distillation filters that can be purchased to remove fluoride from water. On a related note, when looking at bottled water, keep in mind that distilled water does not imply that a product is suitable for drinking water and other undesirable impurities may be present. Okay. Here's a list of things that does not remove fluoride from water. Brita and Pure and most other filters. All right, those Brita filters you get, uh, right, you know, those your... refrigerator ones, you know, the, the pitcher ones, but those do not. All right, again, Brita and Pure water filters and most other ones do not. Um, boiling the water does not do anything. Freezing the water does not doing anything. Um, they actually, uh, uh, boiling it actually... Uh, concentrates the fluoride more rather than reducing it. Right, exactly. Now, the fluoride is is in a lot of other things. Like I said, toothpaste, um, canned uh, food, ma mouthwash, a lot of canned food items, ha they have fluoride as a preservative. Black or red tea has um, some fluoridation in, in it, but it's a, I believe that's more natural fluoride but you know still to be avoided if can be right. uh, uh, chewing tobacco many medications and that's a big one yeah a lot of medications contain fluoride just another day and you you can see with all these examples of things that contain fluoride it it's almost designed for us to have a daily intake of fluoride okay you drink water every day. You brush your teeth every day. You're using mouthwash. You're taking medication every day. What we have here is a system that almost without us knowing it is giving us a daily dosage of fluoride. All right. 
And how great is that for preparing a one world government or some sort of tyrannical takeover than having a whole population who is being dumbed down and poisoned by a daily dose of fluoride without their knowledge? Well, I think our culture reflects the effects. I mean, look at... I really think it does. Yeah, and I, I think truly you can think see it. it does, yeah. If you take it into account, all the stupid things you see, all the complacency, all the learning, I mean, even aside from the complacency and general flaws in human character that may come from the fluoride, also... The birth defects, the learning disorders, the, yeah, the level bone cancer, cancers, yeah, yeah. the diseases, everything. Now, so this is something to pay attention to. And I recommend everybody take the steps that you can to eliminate fluoride from your life or at least as much as you possibly can. I know toothpaste companies like Tom's Toothpaste. Um, doesn't use fluoride. You know, a lot of the big guys like Crest and Aquafresh and stuff, it's it's almost impossible to find that stuff without fluoride. Right. So, and on top of all the studies on fluoride, they, there have been studies on the fluoride that they put in the water that they're claiming is there for our teeth. Thank you, government, for, <laughs> for putting fluoride in my water uh, for caring about my enamel you know that's when you know your government was really looking out for you they are putting this chemical in there because they want my enamel to be thicker that's very kind of you um but anyways what was, what was i saying here well i think you were just going off on well that. there you go there yeah. said it yeah yeah exactly and, and so you know there are things again like basil mentioned i'm just echoing him now Learn as much as you can about this stuff because um, it does affect you. It affects all of us. And tell people about it. You know, I think in my experience, telling people about the water around here anyway, they don't really care so much. You know, right. the response well, is understand. Yeah, I don't think they really get the bigger picture. They kind of think, you know, well, you know, it's it's just tap water. It's you know, it's it's water. It's you know, you can't see it. You can't see the fluoride. You know. So it's a little bit challenging to um, get people to wake up to some of this stuff. But if you just do your uh, due diligence and lead by example, you know, you can affect people's lives with this stuff. And I just think that th this is a really big issue that, it, that we're touching on just, you know, at the end of the water episode. But really, it's, uh, it's, it's a big topic in the uh, conspiracy circles. A lot of people have talked about it. There's a lot of information, a lot of research on it. There's no excuses. You know, let's go. Uh, that's kind of a downer. But, <laughs> but let's, let's, let's sort of wrap it up here with some, some good news from about water. Because, uh, again, we're going to point back to Jesus. We're going to point back to the Bible. Because, again, our water is very um, prevalent in the Bible. Baptism is is a big topic that we didn't really touch on too much but um i wanted to yeah, a huge just example of the importance of water and the the connection between water and god yeah and one of the uh, one passage uh, that i wanted to read was in john 4 so this is where the samaritan woman um asks jesus how it is that a jew which you know jesus was a jew asked for a drink from a, a Samaritan woman because, you know, in that time, Jews never dealt with Samaritans. 
Uh, and then Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? And then Jesus goes on to say, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, talking about the water in the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus sort of paints this picture that the water that he gives is eternal life water. <laughs> it's not just like the physical water. Fluoridated. <laughs> yeah, non-fluoridated. Non-fluoridated uh, Jesus water. Yeah, it's probably the purest water that you can get. So that's some good news, right? Reverse osmosis Jesus. <laughs> that's pretty good. I don't know. There is another passage uh, that's interesting where Jesus says that in John 3, where it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. There you go. So there's that. More water. More water. All right. And, well, uh, any more facts? <laughs> do you want to throw in a couple more facts? We can throw in. We, we can go facts all night. We should, we should end with a few more facts. Okay. Well, okay. Did you know that by the time you feel thirsty you have lost 1% one percent uh, of water in your body. I'm really thirsty. Yeah, it's not good, huh? I think uh, we're, we've, we've lost... Uh, yeah. No, I think this, this, whole, this whole episode, I've A, needed to go number one really bad. So you need to excrete water. And B, I've been really thirsty, and I'm just confused now. Input water. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's My body another, is just in a confused state. Here's another interesting fact. You know what will cure that is water. Water will cure your confusion. Wow. Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking for a fact that I, I cannot I, I have, find. I have facts written on my hands, so I can just pop them out. Here's another one. Of all the water on Earth, okay, all the water. Think of all the water, right? All the powerful water that we've seen destroy coastlines. Okay. Humans can use only about three tenths of a percent of this water. Oh, mommy. And such usable water is found in underground aquifers, of which 100,000 acres of it is owned by our friend Mr. Bush, and rivers and freshwater lakes. I'm sure he's planning on sharing. I'm sure he is with his fellow buddy, buddy bud. Right. I don't know who you're referring to, but I know he'll share with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, While you're looking for facts, here's another one. The okay. United States uses about 346 million gallons of fresh water every day. Oh. Did you know that the average person uses two gallons of water per day to brush their teeth? Two gallons of water? Yeah, quit it, man. It. You're, you're wasting. <laughs> what, you put your mouth under the faucet for half hour or something? What no, because you leave the thing on. Oh, wow. You know, if okay, you leave so that you thing on, then it's just running, and that's two gallons gone. You can never get it back. Wow, that's a lot of Oh, water. well, here's an interesting thing, actually. Also, all the water on Earth 
that exists here now has existed since the beginning of the earth. The earth doesn't lose water or gain water. So, you know, with all the drinking of water that's happened from now all the way from since the beginning of the earth, the water that you turn on your faucet and drink, who knows? Could have been drinking at some time by a dinosaur. Could have been drank by Jesus. Could have been drank by Jesus's camel or donkey. You know, think of all the possibilities. A molecule of water that comes out of your faucet could very well have been a part of the Red Sea at one point when it was split in half. And whoa, yeah, boom. Dropping bombs right now. Dropping truth bombs. <laughs> bombs. Uh, the very same jug of water that that lady at the well brought up for Jesus could at some point in your life, a molecule or two of that could come out of your sink. You could pour it into a pot. You could make macaroni and cheese with it. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah, real. That, that's real heavy right there. That is pretty heavy. That's uh that's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that oh, just about Here's oh, an interesting one. You found one more for yeah. us. Yeah. Okay. What do you got, G? Actually, I guess it's not that interesting. Oh. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you anyway. Okay. Global sales of bottled water accounts for over 60 to $80 billion every year. That is a lot, especially for such a young business or industry. Industry. Well, I mean, it's pretty, you know, it's an essential, you know. It is. It's an essential. It's bad. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Thanks for hanging out, getting wet, going swimming with us. Um, make I'm sure, sure to we tune missed back a bunch in. of stuff too. I mean, I'm oh, sure there's absolutely. people saying, well, "What about this?" And what there's about so that? much and more. That's the thing, you know. But yeah. we've only got a limited amount of time, you know. Only so many facts of percentages of items of water. Yeah, oh, this is terrible. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna redo this whole exit here. Okay. <laughs> So that's just about going to wrap it up for us, everyone. Thanks for sticking around and uh, listening to us jibber-jabber about water. I know we missed some awesome stuff. There's a lot more than just what we are talking about. Make sure to, you know, take some time out, do some of your own research, check stuff out. Also, check out that fluoride stuff. And uh, any last words, Gons? Yeah, I don't know. Next time you guys come across water, which is probably pretty soon in fact you're probably, probably sitting in it now or you are of it <laughs> leave me alone sitting i'm tired it. how uh, many how many of our listeners do you think take baths while, while they listen, listen. <laughs> <laughs> if you're that's taking, just the best that's the best thought i've ever had if you, if just somebody listening bath, to me jibber jabber while they're in a bubble bath oh gosh please let us know that you listen to this episode <laughs> in a tub of water <laughs> and a, with some I mean that's great that's oh man we Plus, should we should uh, we should create stadiums where you just have people maybe one in. of our live shows will just will each be in a bubble bath 
and we'll just do a whole show from there. Doing live shows now? We're going to. Oh, that's right. Oh, it's part of the secret plan. I wasn't supposed to say anything about. You're not supposed to reveal the plan, and we're going to have big water hoses and. Okay, well, that just about wraps it up, everybody. One more time, thank you again for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. My name is Basil. And I'm Gons. And until next time, think outside the cage. Thank you for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. The show notes for this episode and many others are available at canarycryradio.com. Make sure to connect and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash canarycryradio. Follow us on Twitter at canarycryradio. If you would like to share the show in video format, you can find us on YouTube by searching Canary Cry Radio. Review us on iTunes with five stars and give us a thumbs up on stumbleupon.com. We would like to thank those of you who have given us your support, prayers, and donations. If you would like to join us and support Canary Cry Radio financially, you could do so by visiting canarycryradio.com and clicking the support tab. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, remember to think outside the cage. I make that with my mouth. Can you do that? No. I have I have full cheeks. Your, your, your voluptuous cheeks My don't let you. Cheeks don't let me do, let do it. The water what are, you, are, you, are you like making it with your mouth, or are you making it with like your finger in your mouth? I'm I'm flicking. You're flicking the cheek. side your cheek, right? Flicking in the and the the synchronized water, the synchronized uh, tongue uh, push. That is pretty interesting. Ooh, yeah, I'm pretty good. I've been doing that since like fifth grade. Just some sound bites for you. That's good. I'll definitely use it. Okay. <laughs> I got super tired in the middle. <laughs> I don't know if you I know. I'm like, so I, I, like, tired. Hit right? the wall. I'm almost like too tired to like try to get up and go to bed. <laughs> it's too much effort.